Section 11 of The Visits of Elizabeth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Visits of Elizabeth by Eleanor Glynn. Chateau de Coimard, Part 1. Chateau de Coimard, Monday, 29th of August. Dearest Mamma, oh, we had such fun yesterday. After mass, the baron sent over to ask if Jean, Eloise, and I would go with them to the foire at La Vonnière, a village about ten miles off. It is a very celebrated foire, and in the last century everyone went from Versailles, and even now lots of people who spend the summer there attend. You go in the evening after dinner, and there are no horrid cows and things with horns rushing about, or tipsy people. Godmamma looked awfully severe when she heard of the invitation but since the row when they had to cajole me she has been more civil so she said i might go if eloise would really look after me although if i was victorine she would not have permitted it for a moment we left here about six and then picked up the party at tournelle they all went the old baron and every one except the marquis's mother we dropped the brougham there and went on with them in a huge motor-car that's another fad of the baron's it is lovely motor-carring you get quite used to the noise and smell and you fly along so it takes your breath away even with your hat tied on with a big veil you have rather the feeling you have got to screw up your eyebrows to keep it from blowing away we seem to be no time doing the ten miles the baron and eloise hate it and never go in it except under protest the foire is just one very long street with booths and merry-go-rounds and montagne russe and all sorts of amusing things down each side there are rows of poplar trees behind them and evidently on ordinary occasions it's just the usual french road but with all the lights and people it was gay we stopped at the village inn the toison d'or which is famous for its restaurant and its landlady in the season the duc de cressy's coach comes here from paris every thursday hippolyte was there already he had been sent on to secure a table for us we had no sooner sat down under the awning than the vicomte and antoine and two other officers turned up they had ridden from versailles which is near such extraordinary people sat at some of the tables families of almost peasants at one and then at the next perhaps two or three lovely ladies with very smart dresses and big hats and lots of pearls and some young men in evening dress and then some respectable bourgeois and so on i could hardly pay attention to what the marquis who sat next to me was saying the sight was so new and entertaining the tables had cloths without any starch in them and the longest bread rolls i have ever seen one of the beautiful ladies with the pearls used hers to beat the man next to her before they had finished dinner we did not have fresh forks and knives for everything but the famous dish of the place made up for it it is composed of a poussin oh that is very baby chickens raw oysters and cream and truffles you get a hot bit of chicken into your mouth and think it's all right and then your tongue comes against an iced oyster and the mixture is so exciting you are stimulated all the time and you drink a very fine old burgundy with it which is also a feature of the place i am sure it ought to poison us as oysters aren't in for another month but it is awfully good one of the strange officers is so amusing 
he looks exactly like the young man the marquise de vermandoise was walking in the bois with but it could not be he as she seemed so surprised to see him at the foire and said they hadn't met for ages the comte sat on my other side he said i would be greatly amused at the booths presently and was i afraid of montagne russe that's only an ordinary switchback mamma oh, so of course i'm not afraid there were cigan playing while we dined and it was all more amusing than anything i have done here yet when we drank our coffee we started down the foire there were hundreds of people of every class but not one drunk or rude or horrid the first entertainment was the cheveux au galop a delightful merry-go-round with the most fiery prancing horses three abreast and all jumping at different moments the marquis helped me up and jean got on the other side we all rode except the comtesse and the old baron it was too lovely you're bounced up and down and you have to hold on so tight and every one screams and the band plays and i wish you could do it mamma i'm sure the thorough shaking would frighten your neuralgia away i could have gone on for an hour but there was such a lot to see we couldn't spare the time for more than one turn the marquis whispered when he helped me off that his walk down the champs elysees had indeed been fortunate as he had seen me and that it was he who was suggested to the baron to come to the foire so of course i felt grateful to him we walked all together more or less but jean kept glued to my side which was rather a bore only the marquis or the vicomte were always at the other side the next place we came to was a huge menagerie of clever animals with their dompteurs cages of lions bears and tigers etc there were sets of seats before the cages where anything interesting was going on and the audience moved up as each new dompteur came in to the animals we sat down at first in front of the tiger's cage the baron next to me this time the creatures went through astonishing tricks and looked such lazy great beautiful cats the dompteur was a handsome man just the type they always are with a wide receding forehead and flashing eyes they positively blazed at the brutes if they didn't obey him instantly i wonder why all tamers have this shape of head i asked the vicomte but he did not know the bears came next horrid cunning white things and turning in their toes like that does give them such a frumpish look the attraction of the show was to see the great dompteur peson he had been almost eaten by his lions a few months ago and was to make his reappearance accompanied by a beautiful songstress who would charm the beast to sleep peson was just like the other dompteurs only older and fatter and the beautiful lady was such a pet enormously stout in pink satin with quite bare neck and arms the vicomte said that the lions had to be surfeited with food beforehand to keep them from taking their dessert off this tempting morsel she began to sing through her nose about l'amour etc and those lions did look so bored the eldest one simply groaned with ennui his face said as plainly as if he could speak at it again to-night and oh que cela m'embête <laughs> when the song was finished the belle chanteuse stretched herself on two chairs making herself into a sort of bridge for the animals to jump over from our position we could only see mountains of pink satin en bon point and the soles of her feet 
the lions had the greatest difficulty in jumping not to kick her what a life mamma and then pezon put his head right into the old lion's mouth and so ended the performance when we got outside a man was ringing a bell opposite to invite everyone in to see a woman with only a head she could speak he said but had no body the baron insisted upon going in it was a tiny cell of a place and crammed full presently a head appeared on a pedestal and spoke in a subdued voice all the others said it was a fraud but i thought it wonderful antoine wanted to go beyond the barrier and touch it which was mean of him i think presently a villainous-looking old hag who was exhibiting the creature came over and whispered in antoine's ear i only caught saint franc but his face looked interested at once and he and jeanne disappeared behind the curtain and the head disappeared too so we went outside and bought fairings at the next booth there they joined us alors mes amis demanded everyone oh, pas la peine très mal faite said antoine so i suppose it was the machinery they'd been examining the next thing we came to was a sort of swing with flying boats but no one was brave enough to try it except the marquise and me though all the men wanted to come with us you sit opposite one another and they are much higher than the ones in england jeanne would come with me although i wanted the vicomte so i was glad it made him look quite green it chanced that antoine was beside me as we walked the pistol booth so i asked him if he had been in paris on friday and he looked so hard at me you would have thought i was asking a state secret but he said that alas no he'd been detained at versailles so it couldn't have been him after all there must be a lot of french people exactly alike i never keep making these mistakes in england have you ever fired off a pistol mamma it is simply horrid the pistol booth was next after the fairings shop and the prizes were china monsters and lanterns etc the comtesse is a splendid shot and hit the flying ball almost each time she is such a quiet little thing one would not expect it of her the baronne made a lot of fuss and said she knew it would kill her until hippolyte who was behind the party with her cloak said madame la baronne doit essayer cette nécessaire que toutes les belles jeunes dames sachent comment se défendre and she fired off the pistol at last with her eyes shut and it was a mercy it didn't kill the attendant the ball lodged in the wall just beside him so we thought we'd better leave after that next came the montagne russe oh how i love a switchback mamma if i were the queen i would have a private one for myself and my particular friends around windsor castle i could go on all day the marquis and the vicomte kept so close to me that jean could not take the seat beside me as i saw he intended to and then the other two made quite a shuffle but the vicomte won the person who sits next to you is obliged to hold your arm to prevent you tumbling out i looked round to see and every one was having her arm held but i don't believe the vicomte need have gripped mine quite so tight as he did we had three turns next time the marquis was beside me and he was more violent than the vicomte so when it came to the last and jeanne scrambled in and began to hold tighter than either of the others i just said my arm would be black and blue and i would rather chance the danger of falling out in a seat by myself than put up with it 
that made him sit up quite straight i can't see why people want to pinch one can you mamma i call it vulgar and i'm sure no englishman would do it it seems that frenchmen are awfully respectful and full of ceremony and politeness and then every now and then directly they get the opportunity they do these horrid little tricks the next entertainment was really very curious it was a marble woman down to her waist and as you looked the marble turned into flesh her eyes opened and she spoke then her colour faded and she turned into marble again and was handed round the audience wasn't it wonderful mamma i can't think how it was done and as antoine and jeanne did not go behind the curtain to examine the machinery i suppose we shall never know after that there were endless shows performing dogs fortune-telling and circuses etc but the nicest of all was another merry-go-round with seats which went up and down like a boat in a very rough sea hardly one of them would venture but i made the vicomte come with me for two turns he looked so pale at the end of it and when i wanted to go a third time he said we must be getting on and no one else offered to come wasn't it stupid of them as it was by far the most exciting part of the foire it was half-past twelve before we got back to the toison d'or and there had supper with punch a l'americaine oh it is good and you do feel so gay after it one of the ladies with the pearls who was also supping was so friendly with the man next to her pezon was of their party and he did look common in clothes while he was quite handsome in spangled tights we were obliged to go slowly in the motor-car returning there were such heaps of people and carts and things on the road but we got back to Quamar about two and i have slept so late this morning so now good-bye dear mamma your affectionate daughter elizabeth chateau de Quamar, wednesday august thirty first dearest mamma to-day is the dinner and cotillion at the de tonnelles the marquis and the vicomte and antoine and every one will be there and i'm sure it will be fun the vicomte can't get leave for the night so the baronne who was here yesterday on her bicycle told us he will have to ride back to versailles as there are no trains at that time to be there for some duty at six in the morning i can't tell you how many miles it is he will be tired poor thing these last two days have been just alike that's why i've not written the same tiresome ceremony about everything and the same ghastly evenings we went for a drive on monday and godmamma did nothing but question me as to what we had done every minute of the time we were in paris this is the first chance she has had with me alone so i would not tell her a scrap even a simple thing like eloise going to the madeleine oh she thinks i'm fearfully stupid i can see i forgot to tell you about the morning we left paris eloise went to see adam again and i went shopping with agnes but i would not even tell godmamma that victorine says spiteful things to me whenever she can but jeanne and eloise are so charming that i don't mind the rest we are to wear sort of garden-party dresses and hats at the entertainment to-night dinner is to be at eight in a large pavilion where they have a beautiful parquet floor laid down and then when the tables are cleared away we shall begin the cotillion 
as i have never danced in one before i hope i shan't make an idiot of myself this morning i very nearly had another row with godmamma you will never guess what for mamma she knocked at the door of my room before i was quite dressed and then came in with a face as glum as a church she began at once she said that she had heard something about me that she hoped was a mistake so she thought it better to ask me herself she understood that i went down to the salle de bain every day instead of just washing in my room i have done so ever since agnes discovered there really was water enough for a decent bath there and that no one else seemed to use it i began to wonder if she was going to accuse me of tampering with the taps but not a bit of it after a rigmarole as if she thought it almost too shocking to mention she said she understood from her maid who had heard it from the valet de chambre who clears out the bath after i leave that there were never any wet chemises and that she was therefore forced to conclude that i got into my tub toute nue i had been so worked up for something dreadful that i'm sorry to say mamma i went into a shriek of laughter that seemed to annoy godmamma very much she got as red as a turkey-cock and said she saw nothing to cause mirth in fact she had hoped i should have been ashamed at such deplorable immodesty if as she feared from my attitude her accusation was correct i said when i could stop laughing of course it was correct how in the world else should one get into a bath her eyes almost turned up into her head with horror she could only gasp mais si quelqu'un ouvrait la porte mais je le ferme toujours à clef i said and then i asked her if in france they also dried themselves in their wet chemises but she said that that was a childish question as i must know it would be an impossibility and when i said i could not see any difference in washing or drying she was so stumped she was obliged to sit down and fan herself i smoothed her down by assuring her it was the english custom and that i was sorry i shocked her so at last i got rid of her evidently thinking our nation brûlée as well as toquée <laughs> now aren't they too odd mamma i suppose a nice big bath is such a rare thing for them that they're obliged to make as much fuss as possible over it one would think that they received company there dressing up like that heloise and the smart people wash all right it's only the girls and the thoroughly goody ones like godmamma who are afraid of water the marquis came over from tournelle with a note from the baronne after dejeuner to-day i happened to be getting some music out of the big salon for heloise when he arrived louis the valet who showed him in did not catch sight of me as i was behind the piano or he would certainly have taken him somewhere else he began at once after putting his heels together to say a lot of compliments and things this was a fortunate chance more than he dared to hope would i promise to dance the cotillion with him to-night etc etc you would not believe mamma the amount he got into the five minutes before heloise came into the room she knew it was her own fault for sending for the music that i was alone with him or i should have got a scolding as it was she talked without ceasing until at last he got up to go i had not answered about the cotillion so as i have half promised the vicomte i don't know which i shall take 
perhaps i could manage both as i believe one only has to sit on a chair and every now and then get up and dance however i'll see when i get there now good-bye dear mamma your affectionate daughter elizabeth chateau de croixmare september first dearest mamma i have had a proposal isn't it too interesting it all happened at the de tournelles last night but i never blushed or did any of the things they used to in miss edgeworth's novels that you have allowed me to read but i must go straight on we were quite punctual at chateau de tournelles and got there as the clock struck eight eloise looked perfectly lovely she does hold herself and walk so beautifully and her head is such a nice shape i am going to be like her and not like the women at naseby who all slouched when i am married victorine looked better than usual too and eloise had put some powder on her face for her but afterwards it came off in patches and made her look piebald however to start she was all right and everybody was in a good temper there were lots of people there already and the baronne and the comtesse received us in the hall i wore the white silk and my pink tulle hat the marquis and the vicomte both flew across when we arrived and the vicomte got to me first as godmamma detained the marquis and this is where frenchmen shine for although he told me afterwards that he wanted to murder her he stood with a beautiful grin on his face all the time the vicomte at once began to assure me i had promised him the cotillion but i would not say and as he could only get words in edgeways with victorine listening all the time it made it rather difficult for him then the comte and rene his little boy came round with a silver basket full of buttonholes and little cards with names and by the kind of flower we got we were to know which table we were to sit at as they were to be decorated with the same of course the baronne had arranged for the vicomte to take me in and our table was pink and white carnations presently the whole company had arrived and we started a huge train two and two arm in arm for the pavilion it was pretty all the trees hung with electric lights and chinese lanterns and the pavilion itself a fairyland of flowers there were about twelve tables three of different coloured carnations for the jeune fille and the rest with roses for the married people godmamma thought it most imprudent separating them like that and would hardly let victorine sit down so far away from her until she saw the daughter of the princesse d'autorine at the same table victorine went in with another officer from versailles in the same regiment of chasseurs as the vicomte he was like a small black monkey the marquis sat with the comtesse at her table and godmamma and the other bores had a table with the old baron etc the baronne had quite a young man next to her i expect she could not do with the chaperones and the old gentleman most of the girls at our table were either ill at ease or excited at the unusual pleasure of being without their mothers and at first no one talked much the french country people are almost as frumpy as the english only in a different way but many of the guests were very smart and of course had come from paris the vicomte did say such a lot of agreeable things to me and the others were so occupied with their one chance of talking to a young man that they did not listen as much as usual he said he had never spent such an agitated night as the one at vernon so i said 
no the fleas were horrid he said he had not meant them he meant that the sight of my beautiful hair hanging down had caused him une grande émotion and rêve délicieuse there was an oldish girl next to him whom he knew she has quaffed saint catherine for several years now and was put at our table i believe to be a kind of chaperon she happened to be listening just then as her partner would talk to victorine's friend the pretty one with the dirty nails who was at his other side she caught the word fleas and at once asked what we were talking about un sujet si désagréable she said i said it was about our journey on the sauterelle where at vernon m de la tremor had been so badly bitten by the fleas that they had given him silly dreams he said his dreams were as beautiful as those produced by the hachis of monte cristo whatever that is so the old girl exclaimed quel pouvoir pour une puce she thought we were mad and i overheard her presently telling her partner when she could get him to listen that no one would believe the bizarre conversations of the toque english unless they actually heard them i would not say i would dance the cotillion with the vicomte i told him i had half promised it to the marquis and when he seemed offended i said if he was going to be disagreeable i would certainly dance it with m de beaupre the marquis's name which i forgot to tell you before i remember hearing octavia say once that it never did to make oneself easy to young men that the more capricious one was the better and you know how nice octavia is and i meant to be like her he went on imploring so i told him that i had come there to enjoy myself not to amuse him so i should just dance with whom i pleased or not at all if i happened not to want to he said i was très cruel and looked perfectly wobbly-eyed at me but i did not mind a bit as dinner went on all the girls began to talk and get excited and laugh and everyone was so gay but i could see godmamma craning her neck with anxiety and disapproval and i am sure if it had not been for the princesse d'autorine being at her table she would have jumped up and clawed victorine away it came to an end at last and we returned arm in arm to the house while the servants arranged the pavilion for the cotillion godmamma collected victorine and me and made us stay by her and that horrid old madame de visac the one who called me a jeune femme came up and they had a conversation godmamma said it was très imprudente having the dinner first that the champagne would go to the young men's heads and with all the care in the world no one could foresee the consequences the garden too if they should dance the farandole what opportunities it was all the fault of the chère baronne so sadly giddy for her age she never thought of the anxieties of other mothers having married her only daughter so young i don't know what godmamma feared but i should hate to think you could not trust me to behave like a lady mamma if i was out of your sight a moment i saw the marquis talking to a very young youth he seemed pleading with him about something and presently the youth crossed over and kissed godmamma's hand and then asked victorine for the cotillion she looked furious but she was obliged to say yes as no one else had asked her it was getting late and the marquis was busy speaking to some other ladies 
presently he came up to us and the young youth said before he could speak n'ai-je pas de la veine mon cher mademoiselle de croimard m'a promis le cotillon upon which the marquis asked me to dance it with him right out loud before godmamma and when i said i had half promised it to monsieur de la tremors he looked so cross and offended that i thought it was better to be firm with him as i had been with the vicomte he the vicomte came up just then and they looked as if they wanted to fight each other so i said if they would stop frowning i would dance it with both of them but if they were nasty i should not dance it with either and so that is how it ended i was to have one on each side godmamma said to me that it was unheard-of conduct and might have produced a duel and when i tried to explain to her that that was just what i had avoided she looked angrier than ever and would not understand wasn't it stupid of her mamma at last we got to the pavilion and all sat around and having both the vicomte and the marquis to talk to i did have fun they arranged that our chairs should be against the wall and not in the row that the chaperones were behind godmamma tried to make signs to me to come and sit by victorine in front of her but i pretended not to see until all the chairs were filled up the marquise de vermandoise was next me with the vicomte between she was dancing with the comte oh, we were gay the first set of presents were big brocade bags and we called one our pot au feu and pretended that it was for the ingredients to make bon menage and so all the presents that were small enough afterwards we put in there to keep for me i did have lots a cotillion is very easy mamma as you have often told me and it was fun dancing with all sorts of strange people that one did not even know in one figure a huge russian prince got hold of me and squeezed me until i very nearly screamed you see mamma how dreadful foreigners are like that it was like being hugged by a bear in the zoo and after it he kept giving me flowers or presents if i dared to sit down for a moment but he did not say a word except once or twice a mumble of adorable mademoiselle <laughs> my two partners were nice we had a perfectly beautiful time they laughed at everything i said and madame de vermandoise leant over and whispered while they were both away doing a figure that never had any one had such a success as me and that all the old ladies would be ready to tear my eyes out Eloise did not dance with Antoine, but he sat next to her, and they talked while his partner was away with other people. It is much better to have two partners, Mamma, because then one is not left to oneself at all, and they are each trying to be nicer than the other all the time. The Comtesse led the cotillion with a cousin of hers. He does do it well, and does nothing else in Paris, the Baron told me at last we got towards the end and they began the farandole you know it mamma a lady and a gentleman take hands and then she beckons someone and he has to come and then he calls another lady and so on it goes on until the whole company are hand in hand and the leader runs about everywhere with this chain of people after him dancing a long sliding step to such a lovely go-ahead tune the leader tears all over the garden and one is obliged to follow in and out it is too exciting and just as we got to the furthest end of the illuminated paths and had rushed around into the dark 
someone let go and in the confusion of trying to catch on again the marquis and i were left behind it was then the proposal happened he did not wait a moment he talked so fast i could hardly understand him he said he had heard that it was the custom of our country to speak directly to the person one loved without consulting the parents so he hoped i would believe he meant me no disrespect but that he adored me he had fallen in love at first sight when he went to review victorine that he implored me to fly with him as his mother would never consent to his marrying an englishwoman oh think of it mamma me flying with the marquis without a wedding cake or bridesmaids or pages or trousseau or any of the really nice bits of getting married only the boring part of just going away and staying with one man without any of the other things to make up for it i nearly laughed at the ridiculousness of it only he was so deadly in earnest and would hold my hand i said i could not think of such a thing and would he take me back to the pavilion he became quite wild then and said he would kill himself with grief and such a lot of things about love but i was so wanting to join in the farandole again we heard them coming nearer that my attention was all on that and i didn't listen much anyway i am sure runaway matches aren't legal in france from what i heard jean saying two nights ago at dinner and i told him so at last and that pulled him up short and just then the train passed and i stretched out my hand to the last man and was whirled away back to the pavilion and the people i was glad to get away from the marquis because he looked desperate and you can't trust foreigners they have pistols and things in their pockets and he might have shot me when we got back to our seats the defilier began and i took the vicomte's arm to go and make our curtsy to the comtesse and the baronne it was just as well the marquis was away because they might have quarrelled as to which one's arm i was to take just before the supper-tables were brought in monsieur de beaupre turned up again his face was green he came up behind me and whispered through his teeth that i had broken his heart and that he should marry victorine so you see mamma nothing could have turned out better and they ought to be very grateful to me we had the gayest supper all at little tables and it was arranged that we should go with the de tournelle and the baronne to a rallye de papier to-day given by the seventy-fifth cuirassier at the forêt de mali while we were going to the house to get our wraps i overheard two ladies talking of godmamma they said she gave herself great airs and considering that everyone knew that years ago she had been the amie of that good-looking englishman at the embassy these high stilts of virtue were ridiculous i suppose to be an ami is something wicked in french but it doesn't sound very bad does it mamma and whatever it is i wonder if poor papa knew as he was at the embassy and it might have been one of his friends mightn't it i expect she had not a moustache then i am dreadfully afraid that the vicomte won't be able to be at the raleigh to-day although he did whisper when he was putting on my cloak that nothing should keep him away and that then i would believe the extent of his devotion he won't have gone to bed at all if he does turn up as he will only have got back to versailles just in time for his duty at six and how he is to be in the forêt de mali by ten i don't know but we shall see it is just time to start the break is at the door so good-bye dear mamma with love from your affectionate daughter elizabeth End of section 11